There's a legend, which you will find all over the internet, that the creation of the croissant uh, came about when Christian bakers were celebrating a 17th century victory over the Turks in Austria. That is almost certainly untrue. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Last week, we were talking about food-related terms that showed up in your book, and you had talked about how this really was how the Common Errors in English Usage website uh, grew out of your noticing items on the menu that were misspelled or misphrased and uh, keeping notes to yourself and then finally going live on the web and and soliciting more and more common errors until the the site grew to a lot more than that. But all of these food-related terms are pretty interesting. We discussed some of them. I want to discuss some more today. Yeah, we've got a lot of them. Any surprises there? Or we... Well, I wanted to throw in one that I just encountered. I don't know how common it is. Um, and I haven't even checked it yet. But uh, we were dining at a casual restaurant with a sort of Germanic bent to it. And on the menu, they had uh, Wiener Schnitzel, only it was spelled W-E-I-N-E-R, which would be Weiner Schnitzel. Mm-hmm. Um and I explained to the waitress that this is named after the city of Vienna, where the name is spelled W-I-E-N, Wien. And in European languages, I-E is almost always an E sound, and E-I is an I sound. But that's not the way we commonly encounter them in English. In fact, I've got a whole entry that I think we may have talked about the way that uh, many Jewish names like Weinstein uh, and Frankenstein get turned into Frankenstein or, you know, how the spelling gets swapped around because that E-I-I-E combination throws us off. And um, so I don't know if they'll do anything about their menu, but um, Weiner Schnitzel just made me think of Anthony and I just didn't want to go there. <laughs> right. Now, you do have a, an entry on Wiener and Weiner. Right. Weiner and Wiener. So that's we could. But not on the schnitzel. Not on the schnitzel. (laughs) A little bit more scary since schnitzel means slices. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that's that's even worse. Let's go. Let's go ahead and and stick on the German theme. Uh, Those E-I-I-E words are difficult. And for me, I always just try to remember if it's a, a German name to pronounce that look at the second vowel and that's going to be the long vowel yeah well if if you're used to english i do so much stuff in foreign languages that yeah that doesn't help me but yeah 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 i think that's a good rule yeah um so there's the german word for cabbage i believe right which is coal is that right yeah uh, yeah and it, and it actually comes from uh, dutch which is a relative of german mm-hmm. And the uh, popular salad made of shredded cabbage was originally called C-O-L-E, coal slaw. And that was the Dutch for cabbage salad. And that's really all it means. But because it is served cold, Americans have long supposed the correct spelling to be cold slaw, C-O-L-D, 
slaw. So this is one of those cases where you can't really say cold slaw is wrong, but it's definitely less sophisticated. So if you're uh, taking something to the potluck and you say, I'll be bringing the cold slaw, probably nobody's going to snicker at you. But if you put it in a menu, then you're definitely going to get some customers saying, oh, geez. <laughs> While we're at it, I would like to add my little pet peeve of mine that has nothing to do with language. People have begun to put carrot shreds in their cabbage cold slaw. Mm-hmm. And it looks very pretty. Mm-hmm. But I happen to be allergic to raw carrots. Uh. And it just annoys me because it's rare now that uh, when somebody asks, well, do you want a side of potatoes or coleslaw? Normally, I'd order the coleslaw, but uh, I got to ask first. Has I got carrots in it? Oh, boy. I've gone to the extent of picking individual carrot shreds out of some sometimes. I don't think carrots belong in coleslaw, but... That's just me. Well, I, it does add a little color to it, but if you want to add color, why not? Why not mix in a little purple cabbage? That would stick with the same yeah. same theme. It would it would add a little color, and you, of course, you do see that too. But often you'll see both. Well, we put in a little purple, we put in a little orange. We'll stick it all together. And a carrot allergy, though, I hadn't, I wasn't really aware of that. Yeah, no, I won't go into my allergies. There's, there's a bunch of things I'm allergic to when they're raw, but not when they're cooked. Now, this leads into something I was going to try to spring on you a little bit. Coleslaw is a cold salad, but have you ever had warm coleslaw? Um, I've had room temperature coleslaw. Yeah. But... There's, a, there's a way of preparing, uh, of fixing it where you can heat a little oil and sort of um, uh, sear the cabbage a little bit when you toss the uh-huh. salad. So it will um, slightly cook the, the cabbage a bit with the, with the hot oil. And that's pretty nice, too. Yeah, that sounds interesting. People do all kinds of things with coleslaw. And I just wondered, do you have a good one that you, you like? Well, um, I shredded our sliced onion and uh, cabbage sautéed in, in olive oil together, something I do every once in a while. You know, cabbage is one of the cheapest vegetables out there. Yeah, but the problem is that we always get tired of it before we've eaten a, a whole head and it winds up decaying in the fridge. And they, they want you to sell you the biggest heads possible usually. But I was pleased to notice in my local Safeway that they've begun to sell half heads of cabbage. You're able to get through a half all right. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Well, you need strategies like coleslaw, and uh, another another nice variation on it is a kind of an Asian oh, yeah. um, thing where you can toss it with uh, peanut sauce, right. with peanut and vinegar and sugar and right. uh, that sort of and some spice and that sort of combination. Um, these are all good things to to use up your head of cabbage that's sitting in your drawer. <laughs> Here's another C problem that is definitely an embarrassment, and that's crispy. Um, crispy chicken most often, but it can be in a lot of other places. And people misspell the crispy as C-H-R-I-S-P-Y. Why the C-H? That puzzled me for a long time. And I think it's mainly the chicken that's influencing it. They're, they're anticipating spelling C-H in a, in a moment when they get through with the first word, and they just put it in. You can find it on recipes on the web, and I've certainly seen it on menus, and I've seen some crispy other things, but mostly crispy chicken. And, and of course, that first uh, syllable is the one in Christmas, too. 
it's in Christmas and of course the name Chris and Christ. Yes, and so uh, it's all over the place, but it's not in crispy. Right. Crispy doesn't have the H. It's it's just crisp, and I puzzle over that one myself. You know, let's get off of the um, the German words and the ch words for a second and get back to last week where there were quite a number of French ones. You've got a background, of course, knowing French, so you're going to help me with the next one. Right. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. One time I was in Paris, actually my first visit, and there were these two American tourists sitting at a table near my daughter and myself. And it was on a sidewalk and out in the sunshine, and the woman there was trying to order café au lait from the waiter, but she said café au lard, <laughs> which would have been coffee with lard in it. You know? And he was baffled. He couldn't figure out what she was trying to say, so I, I sprang in and uh, helped her out <laughs> I think I included that story in the book. To the rescue. <laughs> um, but I've never seen that on a menu, though. No. The, the, the one... Uh, that uh, does turn up a lot is croissant. Now, most people have learned how to say croissant, and they may not get the nasalized in exactly right, but they don't say croissant normally. Or croissant. I guess if you were just trying to sound it out and you had never heard it before, you might say croissant? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's one we've pretty successfully adopted, but I've got to peeve with it, which is one of these picky things that probably, I know it bothers my wife, and uh, I don't know if it bothers anybody else, but one of the advantages of, of having this project is I can share my pet peeves even when they're pretty quirky. So there's a legend, which you will find all over the Internet, that the creation of the croissant uh, came about when Christian bakers were celebrating a 17th century victory over the Turks um, in Austria. And uh, it, that is almost certainly untrue. And there's there's no trace of croissants, the pastry, until a century later. It wasn't even invented then. Mm -hmm. And the crescent shape of it was probably not at all influenced by the Islamic crescent. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Islamic crescent shows up on the Turkish flag. Or right. And a lot of Islamic flags. And uh, the word croissant does mean crescent. And that's for sure. But that's a French word. The pastries that are formed into other shapes that are not crescent shapes, in my opinion, should not be called cro croissants. Mm -hmm. So a, bake, a lot of bakeries sell uh, what the French call pain au chocolat, mm -hmm. which is a rectangular piece of pastry made out of the same dough as croissant uh, with a slab of chocolate in the middle. Now, if it's really French, it'll have a slab of chocolate. A lot of them, the Americans make are pretty stingy with the chocolate. Mm -hmm. But um, usually they're labeled as a chocolate croissant. So, you know, yeah, that's the American for it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you want to be a little more sophisticated, if you call it a pan au chocolat, I suppose nobody would know what you're talking about. So maybe... I just have to grumble and <laughs> let it go. Well, I I don't know. It's uh, I think what it is is there's the association because the pastry itself is seemingly rolled out in the same way. It's the right. kind of flaky, almost like a phyllo dough kind of thing, and it it's shaped like a crescent and a croissant. And then for pan au chocolat, it's it's shaped like a rectangle. So people are not thinking about the obviously not thinking about the shape. And associating that as a croissant, they're thinking of the pastry itself as associated with the croissant. 
Yeah. Right. And actually, the pastry is less like phyllo and more like Danish pastry. Yeah. It's made by um, having many, many layers of butter in between folding over and over the dough with the butter getting thinner and thinner, mm-hmm. whereas the phyllo is actually physically stretched out into a thin sheet. Mm-hmm. That's more likely to, to turn into uh, fluttering pieces of dough all over your face or beard, as in my case, than uh, croissant is. Anyway. Sure, that's the stuff you use for baklava, yeah. which is distinctively different from the croissant dough. But it's this, it's similar light, airy, kind of flaky stuff right. in that sense, but not as doughy. Not, croissants are just something else. I've got one more under the letter C. It has nothing to do with French. And this is a really common one, and it's one that even trips me up sometimes. And that's the two spellings of current. Mm-hmm. So current with an E-N-T... That's an adjective having to do with the present time. Current conditions are wet and cloudy, or at least I'm speaking at the moment. And it can also be a noun, naming a thing like time that flows, electrical current, currents of public opinion, um, and tidal currents, and so on. C-U-R-R-A-N-T refers only to the little fruits or to the plant plants and flowers that produce the little fruits. Yeah, the small raisin-like things. Yeah. Little dried fruits that you put in. Uh, oh, you could you could put them in your pastry, couldn't you? A lot of scones. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, garden plants, and, and it grows wild all over here, and probably in Oregon, too, where you are, is the wild currant, mm-hmm. um, which you seldom see the fruits of. I think the animals get to them before I get to see them, but the flowers are... Are gorgeous. Anyway, if you think of the little fruits with having ants crawling on them, trying to eat them, mm-hmm. maybe that help mm-hmm. associate the food with the ant spelling. Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, anything that you make that's that employs currants on a regular basis? I, I rarely see them around. I rarely have them around the kitchen because I don't really bake anything. Yeah, you know, I've had currant jelly, but um, I eat a lot of berries and stuff, but. Uh, not current so much. Yeah, they're more of a, a niche item. Oh, I tell you, where I do have used currants, dried currants, mm. I use in um, my uh, fruitcake. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Around uh, Christmas time, a lot of the baking you do then with, with the dried fruits, you could end up using a lot of currants there. Yeah, they're they're smaller, so they they don't sort of dominate the texture as much as big fat swollen raisins after you soak them. Mm-hmm. But you will find them in a lot of desserts, won't you? Yes, and that leads us to dessert and desert. And, oh, is this ever common? Um, people on, on menus are constantly spelling it D-E-S-E-R-T. And I think it's it's partly a problem because dessert is one of the few words in English with a double S that's pronounced to sound like a Z. Mm-hmm. Brazier is another. In, in the original French, it was brassière, mm-hmm. and it meant a uh, like a bandolier. You held your ammunition on. But anyway, it is unusual to have two S's pronounced like a Z. So an impoverished stretch of sand called a desert can only afford one S. So that was my way of doing a little mnemonic there. Think of the desert. It's devoid of water, and it's also devoid of extra S's. 
In contrast, that rich, gooey, extra thing at the end of the meal called a dessert indulges in two of them. You know, mm-hmm. really enjoyed this dinner. I think I'll one more with an extra S in it. One of my English teacher colleagues, speaking of mnemonic devices, used to always say, if you eat a lot of dessert, you'll get fat. You'll get an extra S. Right. <laughs> now, I don't know why that stuck with me, but mnemonic devices like your uh, desert can only afford one S. They're never terribly witty or great. They're just memorable, right? Yeah. And then there's another word, the word in just desserts. Oh, yeah. He got his just desserts. He got what he deserved, in other words. Mm-hmm. And that is confusingly pronounced just like the dessert with uh, ice cream or whatever. So, or baklava. And that one you will see misspelled all the time, too, because because it's pronounced desserts. Yeah, it's a single S. And uh, there's, of course, the bakery on the West Coast now. I think they've expanded beyond San Francisco um, and done some packaging of their goods. Definitely one of the big bakeries in San Francisco for quite some time has been Just Desserts with two S's. They don't help matters at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. When I'm trying to find uh, errors like this, I'm often uh, frustrated by finding a lot of people who are punning on the incorrect spelling deliberately, so I have to sort them out and separate them from the people who are doing it accidentally. Um, one way to think about this is if you're hearing or saying the phrase just desserts, think of just as sort of minimizing things. It's got just one S. Oh, Okay. <laughs> just one has in the middle anyway <laughs> wow all right i'll see if that one works as a mnemonic and it might it's just silly enough it might one of the most common that a lot of people know and a lot of people are bothered by is espresso mm-hmm. and that was such a big deal that it's featured right in big letters on the cover of the book the cover of the Common Errors in English Usage books, one of the first ones and most prominent ones that got stuck up there, Expresso. Right. So I've read several explanations of the origin of this word. The coffee, and these are the usual theories you hear. The coffee is made expressly for you upon your order, E-X-Presso. Or the steam is expressed through the grounds. Mm. Or as most people suppose, and certainly wrongly, the coffee is made at express speed. (laughs) <laughs> One thing is certain, the word is espresso, E-S, not E-X, espresso. While you're at an American espresso stand, you might muse on the fact that both biscotti and panini are plural forms, but you're likely to baffle the barista if you ask in her correct Italian for a biscotto or a panino. Yes, well, you will. <laughs> Although I had an interesting experience at one of our local coffee houses. Uh, my wife was out ordering a snack, and I went into the bathroom, and I came out, and I saw that their sign um, said uh, something like uh, chocolate dip buscato. Mm. And I said, well, that's great. I've never seen anybody spell it that way before. And they said, oh, that woman told us to. <laughs> That was my wife who had just got him to change it while I was in the bathroom. Oh, I see. <laughs> so uh, I don't think that represents a title change. <laughs> no, the the O for the singular and the I. Graffiti is another one where the singular is pretty much non-existent, uh, certainly as we use it in English. Okay, so getting back to the French. French dip. 
it's not as popular as it used to be, but I've I've seen it lately popping up on a few menus, including that one that had the Weiner schnitzels. Um, and it's often listed as French dip with au jus. And this consists of sliced roast beef on a more or less firm bun, uh, often actually pretty soggy, with a side dish of broth in which to dip it. Au jus means with broth. So adding with to au jus is redundant. Now, this is something that um, you can argue back and forth with if a um, preposition is in a foreign language. Does it function as a word in English or is it just part of the phrase that we pay no attention to grammatically, which is what's going on here? And the general pattern is mostly that if it's Greek or Turkish or something, you don't accommodate it. But French, more often we do. And this is a case where it's called a dip, French dip sandwich. Why not just say with beef broth or something if you want to explain what it is? Because au jus, spelled J-U-S, is a French term anyway. It's being... Uh, a little sophisticated, hoping that you know some French, but then if you know enough French to understand the phrase au jus, you're also going to understand that the with is redundant. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot by using that combination. Yeah. I think that if you are aware of the meaning of the original term, so if you know that au jus, au jus is going to be with the broth, it's harder for you to insert the word with. But if you are not concentrating on that, then it's much easier to just stick in the extra with. Uh, oh, I don't know. That seems like the au jus is, is a different part of it. But once you know what the original term is, I think you're less likely to be redundant with the English part of it. Well, here's another related one. Soup du jour of the day. Yeah. And uh, soup du jour, mm -hmm. uh, and notice that there's an E on the end in the original French. So if you're going to use the du jour, which are definitely French words, you might as well use the French spelling. Mm -hmm. um, it means soup of the day. So you don't need to add of the day onto it. And the whole phrase is sort of useless. There's no use reason to dip into French at all for this. Just call it the soup of the day. Mm -hmm. That's what most menus do these days. But you still see soup du jour of the day sometimes. And even if you think you're being sophisticated, you're really not. Because most of the things that people buy as soup in this country are what the French would call potage. They're thicker soups with chunks of stuff in it and, you know, split pea soup and things like that. S uh, soups in French are more of a broth-based thing. Yeah, yeah and uh, so stick with soup of the day. That is what you see mostly, I think, these days. Nobody's really going with a soup du jour. And I think that one might, I'm just guessing, might be better understood as by a wider American English-speaking population that soup du jour means soup of the day. So mm -hmm. that, that redundancy might be going away. Yeah, I haven't seen it a lot lately. So I want to go to a more general issue, and this is one that's really kind of complex, and that's the distinction between herbs and spices. And there's uh, the first thing I want to say about herbs is like several words that come from French, Americans try to preserve the French pronunciation. So we say herbs, we don't pronounce the H. The British, on the other hand, do, and they... They say herbs. Yes. This trips me up every time when I'm reading with a British accent. I read aloud a lot. 
to my wife mainly, and um, I'm often reading in a British accent. And when the speaker in England comes and, and happens to say herbs, I almost always say herb and, and forget, oh, oh, that was almost a mistake. <laughs> But what's the difference between an herb and a spice? They overlap in some interesting ways. Now, people who aren't seriously into cooking often just say herbs and spices, and they haven't any clue which is one and which is the other. But generally, if the flavoring is made up of stems or leaves or flowers of plants, then they're herbs. Mm -hmm. And those made out of bark, roots, and seeds and dried buds are spices. Um, however, saffron, which is made out of flower stamens, is a spice. Mm -hmm. So let's break that down a little bit. So my oregano is an herb. Right. Right. Now, my uh, cumin is a spice. Because it's a seed. It's right. a seed. All right. So I've got that squared away. But uh, I, Cinnamon's a spice. Cin cinnamon is a spice that's the bark right right mint is a uh, an herb oh mint is an herb yeah although when you're using it as an extract <laughs> you probably don't think of it as an herb mm -hmm. but you know in the american kitchen uh nobody has an herb rack exactly and that's where the overlap comes mm -hmm. spice cabinets and spice racks and spice jars often hold herbs. So that's not a mistake. That's just uh, an accommodation that we've made over the years, and it's a tradition. And that's, I think, what throws people off. They have a lot of herbs in their spice racks. That is the funny thing, because people know the term herbs and spices, but the word herb is rarely used to identify something. So I'm going to spice up my spaghetti sauce with some oregano. Right. Unless you're doing a recipe for something like an omelet, au fines herb, um, a fine herb omelet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And herb has a specialized little section in the uh, culinary, what's the word I want to say, in your, in your culinary vocabulary, I think, for just things like that. Oh, I'm going to prepare it with herbs. Right. And yeah, and so uh, I have another problem with spice, which isn't exactly a language usage problem, but um, misunderstanding. Uh, my wife doesn't like hot peppery foods. She does like highly flavored foods. Mm -hmm. And when we go out to an Indian restaurant, she loves Indian food, but she doesn't like the hot chilies and the black peppers and all that. She does like ginger, which is interesting, but... Um, so she's trying to explain what it is she likes and what she doesn't like. And most often uh, it will come out as she doesn't want the food too spicy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the food will arrive back at the table completely bland, not including any cinnamon or clove or garlic or anything else. Because spicy has these two meanings. Yeah. To the general public, it's most common use. It means it makes your mouth burn something is spicy but mm -hmm. spicy can also mean tasty and tantalizing and highly flavored um and communicating with waiters can be a real challenge in this kind of situation we went to an indian restaurant once which was started by a guy who was really not a chef and not a, not a good indian cook and um 
my wife explained to him that the food that came to the table was just too hot and spicy for her to eat. And he said, oh, I have a special dish that I made for somebody else recently here that you will like. And it's going to be terrific. It's not spicy. And what he brought to the table was lima beans with fruit cocktail mixed in it. Oh, oh, our <laughs> worst dining experiences ever. Uh, hard to imagine. He could not understand why she didn't like it. Well, I hate to leave on a bad note, but uh, I think I want to pick up and talk about some more terms later on. But um, I think you just sort of finished my uh, appetite for, <laughs> for 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 this for the time being. Okay. So I'm going to sign off and say thank you, Paul, for sharing some of those food-related terms. All right. Talk to you next time. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.